Well, good morning, y'all, and welcome to the Story Church. My name is Dylan Braddock. I'm the student coordinator. And as you can tell, it is graduation Sunday. So at 11 o'clock, we're also going to be honoring our graduating seniors, but they're probably still in bed. Let's be honest, they're, they're 16. Um, but here's a picture of our seniors we'll be honoring here in like an hour. Um, it's a big group of guys. I don't know what was in the water, but um, it's all dudes, and they all kind of have the same haircut, honestly. <laughs> But I was looking back, uh, looking at all these pictures, it kind of made me emo thinking about my own graduation like 11 years ago. So I pulled up some of my own graduation <laughs> pictures to show you guys. And yeah, I had the same haircut basically. Uh, the bad thing is that's like when my hair was like medium length. They went all the way down to my shoulders at one point. But um, thank God we don't have those pictures today. So that's me. And there's, here's a picture of my squad from high school. We called ourselves the LMT boys. A uh, very cool nickname but all LMT stands for is Live to Maple Trail, the street we grew up on. Um, so we weren't that cool, but I'm still best friends with a lot of these guys like to this day. So it's really cool that I can look back at this picture and remember the memories. Like, I don't know about you guys, but every time I think back to graduation, I think about like the songs, the movies, the events that defined that year. And like, I'm a really big movie guy. I love watching movies. So when I think back to 2012, two movies immediately come to mind for me. The first is what I believe is the best superhero franchise of all time. And that is the Dark Knight trilogy featuring a Christian Bale as Batman. Like this is my Batman. I love these movies. But in 2012, another superhero franchise started, which I think is vastly, vastly overrated. And that is the Avengers. Sorry, not trying to get anyone mad, but I just think it's not that good. And even music, right? Music has changed a lot in the last 10 years, I promise. The song of 2012 was Call Me Maybe. Does anyone remember that song? If you do, I'm sorry for getting it stuck back in your head for the next two weeks. Sorry about that. Uh, and also in 2012, there was this big new boy band from London that was sweeping the nation called One Direction. And the front man of One Direction was this Harry Styles. Here is Harry Styles 11 years later. Times have changed. I don't know. The world's changing. It's a crazy place. Um, but when I look back at my graduation, and you guys might be the same, I can just think back to those memories. They feel like they were yesterday. And the only other event in my lifetime, or the, other, the only other two events in my lifetime that are that pivotal to me are one, my marriage, which happened in 2020, and the second most pivotal moment that I can look back on and remember it like it was yesterday was my baptism. My baptism at my church in second grade is one of those memories I can think back on, and I feel like it was last week. And on this very special graduation Sunday here at the Story Church, we are embarking on a new series called Down to the River, The Purpose and Power of Baptism. And over these next four weeks in the month of May, we are going to unpack this ancient ritual and talk about why it is still re relevant and critical for us today. But this morning, since we're celebrating our seniors, I thought it would be really cool to make comparisons between graduation and baptism. And I was, as I was comparing these two rites or these two passages, I found that there were three things that were similar between them, but one major difference. So three similarities and one major difference. And we are going to be unpacking those this morning. 
If you picked up a study guide on your way in, now is a great time to grab it. If you didn't, we have more on the back. Um, we're going to go ahead and dive in. So today, you can get out your Bibles. We'll be in Acts chapter 2. Um, as you all know, we just finished 22 or 23 weeks in Luke. I don't even remember how many weeks we spent doing Luke. Um, but now, I thought the perfect place to start, as we talked about baptism, would be the book of Acts, which is basically Luke part 2. And we're going to pick up in Acts um, chapter 2, verse 37. But I got to explain what happened before the passage we're reading. So in Acts chapter 2, um, we have Pentecost. So if you don't know what that is, that is when the Holy Spirit comes down and fills all the apostles and the disciples. And as soon as they are filled with the Holy Spirit, they start doing amazing things in the city of Jerusalem. They start preaching. And even though people in Jerusalem speak different languages, they can understand every single word the disciples are speaking. And then Peter has this incredible sermon in Acts chapter 2, where he explains Jesus, how he died for our sins, and how he rose again. And now we are going to read the people's response to Peter's sermon. So we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. So when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000. Yeah, wow, I heard that. That's a lot, right? We had four baptisms this past Sunday, and I'm sure some of y'all thought that was a lot, right? 3,000 in one day. That is incredible. But what I love about this sermon is that when Peter ended the sermon, there was a call to action. The people responded. Like so often sermons today, including my sermons, just kind of like end, and all of you were like, well, what do we do now? Do we just like go home and go back to work? But Peter's sermon ends with a call. And that call is to immediately be baptized. But I don't know about you guys, but when I read a story that says 3,000 people were baptized in one day, my skeptic brain immediately turns on. And I'm like, 3,000 in one day, come on. That seems a little high, right? And you have to think about where they're at. They're in Jerusalem which is a big city in the middle of the Jordan Valley, which is a very dry place. Like water was scarce in Jerusalem. It wasn't like they were at the Sea of Galilee or at the ocean. They were in the middle of a giant city. So where the heck could 3,000 people get baptized at? This week, I did some digging because I had to know, and I found one hypothesis that I really, really liked. So thanks to the Jewish purification laws at that time, the road through Jerusalem that led to the temple was filled with these things called mikvahs. Mikvahs were these ritual cleansing tanks that look pretty similar to our modern baptismals. And you can still see them today when you go to the Holy Land. So the theory is that the disciples just split up, 12 disciples. They took like 200 people each, and they all picked one of these mikvahs, and they just started baptizing people. But what you have to realize about these mikvahs is that they were outdoors and that the people that used these were traveling to and from Jerusalem and probably didn't have the best hygiene, if I'm guessing. 
We had a student come look at the baptismal uh, last Sunday when we had four baptisms. And he said, this water is gross. Look at all the hairs and fabric in here. This boy should have seen these mikvah waters. Can you imagine these things? Can you imagine being the 250th person that got baptized? Like he must have really, really, really wanted it to get in that like dark, murky water. But this desire to be baptized is where I see our first comparison between graduation and baptism. And that is both baptism and graduation require urgency. We run to baptism with urgency. If you want to know about urgency, talk to any high school senior right now. I promise you, they are counting down the days till graduation. I mean, I was the same way 11 years ago. I remember the day after Christmas, I put like one of those timers on my phone that clicked down every single day until I could graduate and head off to Baylor. I was so excited. And even college graduations, I might be in the minority here, but I love when people do crazy things when walking across the stage at graduation. Because to me, I know other people are annoyed by it, but to me, I just see their joy and their excitement and the urgency, and I love that. I feel like it's like, it draws me in and it's contagious. And and this week I was doing research on baptism and urgency, and I found this one video that I think perfectly explains what I'm talking about. He's been waiting on this day a long time. (laughs) And so Jordan, upon the profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son. Man, I should just have Jordan come preach this sermon. I think he says all I need to say. Um, I don't know if you can hear him, but he says, just do it already. And he dunks himself in the tank and pops back out. That is the urgency I'm talking about. And since we're embarking on this big baptism series for the next four weeks, I thought it was only fair that I shared my own baptism story so I could share this with you guys. Um, But I became a Christian. I officially gave my life to Jesus in second grade. So it was 2002. And like many of you, I grew up in the church. Um, Every time the church doors were open, I was there. Uh, I knew all my Bible stories. I was like the straight A Sunday school student. I was in Awanas. I did everything but I had never made that decision myself to follow Jesus, right? It was just something my parents did or my friends did, but I had never made that decision myself. So in second grade, it was Friday night, it was movie night, and every Friday we watched a movie as a family, and it was a couple of weeks before Easter. So for movie night, we decided to watch a movie on the life of Jesus. And it wasn't like The Chosen or The Passion of Christ, one of these like high production movies. It was probably like a really bad 90s version. But for some reason, as I was watching that film, and I saw Jesus with my own eyes, like die on the cross for my sins and raised from the grave. Something about seeing that on the TV screen made it click for me. And there in my living room in 2002, I made the decision to follow Jesus. And the movie at the very end, during the credits, they had a prayer. They called it the sinner's prayer. And it said, if you pray this prayer, you will be in eternity with Jesus one day. So I said the prayer in my living room without even t- telling my parents and I became a Christian. And immediately, literally immediately after saying that prayer, I knew the next step was baptism. There was no doubt in my mind, nothing questioning. I knew I need to get 
baptized. But there was one tiny problem. I had this very strange fear of being underwater without goggles on. I don't know why, but for some reason, I always had to wear goggles when I was in the pool, when I was in the bathtub, and hopefully when I was in the baptismal, I'd be wearing my goggles. So I remember asking our, our pastor in second grade, and I'm like, hey, pastor, like, can I wear my goggles during the baptism? And he was like, well, let me read. I don't think there's anything in the Bible against that. Sure, go for it. So I brought my, I brought my goggles for me to be baptized, and Thinking back on the day, I thought I wore them during the baptism, but I must have left them in my seat because I found a picture this week and um, here was me being baptized about 21 years ago. Yeah, that's little Dylan. Um, but yeah, thinking back to this day, I just remember like the joy, the urgency. I remember that no matter what the obstacle was, I wasn't going to let it stop me from being baptized. And in Acts chapter 2, the crowds have this exact same energy. They accepted Jesus, they repented of their sins, and bam, they went straight into baptism. And almost every baptism story in scripture plays out this exact same way. We see it in here in Acts chapter 2. We also see it later in Acts chapter 8 with the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, which is a really, really cool story where this Ethiopian eunuch is riding in his chariot. And he's reading the Old Testament scriptures, but he doesn't understand what's going on. He's like, who's this talking about? And God sends Philip, a disciple, to talk to him and share the gospel with them. And this eunuch accepts the gospel in the middle of his chariot ride. And immediately after accepting the gospel, here is the eunuch's response in Acts chapter 8. He says, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. In scripture, baptism immediately proceeds from the confession of faith. So once we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that next step is baptism. And we should approach it urgently. The decision to be baptized actually stands as our first step of obedience as Christians. And I would argue that how we approach baptism affects how we approach every other faith decision in our life. If we go into baptism kicking and screaming, fighting it, asking questions, then I bet the rest of our faith journey will be the same way, kicking and screaming, fighting against it. But if we approach baptism with an urgent obedience, then it will establish this rhythm of obedience for the rest of our walk. So the first similarity between baptism and graduation is that both are done with urgency. The second thing we need to know about baptism and graduation is both aren't just about you. Baptism isn't just about you. This morning at 11 o'clock, we're gonna honor our seniors here on the stage. And part of honoring them is acknowledging all the really hard work that they did to get to this point. I mean, they pulled all-nighters, writing essays. They pulled early mornings, waking up to do homework they didn't do the night before because they were playing video games. They um, stayed up all night with friends. I mean, a graduation is a big, big endeavor. And of course, we want to graduate our students for doing this. But we all know that graduation is something students accomplish with others. It's not something they do by themselves. Think about 
the teachers, the coaches, and especially the parents who were with them every step of the way. I learned this firsthand at my wife's graduation uh, back in 2018 when she graduated from Baylor. Um, I went to the graduation with Jessica's parents and we'd just been dating for a couple months. So I didn't know her parents super well at the time. And her dad um, had been in law enforcement his entire life. So I was kind of scared of John. Like me and John are tight now. We, we play sports, we have a good time. But I swear, the first three times I met this guy, he would always lift up his jacket and show me his gun and his badge. He wanted me to know that if I messed with his daughter, he would mess with me. So that was very clear, very clear from the get-go. So me and John really never had any deep talks. I kind of would keep my distance. But at graduation, of course, I was forced to sit right by him for like three hours. You know how long these graduation uh, ceremonies can go. And there wasn't much going on between us, a lot of small talk. I really didn't know what to say. But then when Jessica finally came across the stage and accepted her diploma, I looked to my left and I saw John, this stoic law enforcement man, just bawling his eyes out. He was crying watching his baby girl walk across that stage. And there in that moment that I realized this graduation was bigger than just Jessica. And it was bigger than just her parents. It was her family, her grandparents, and the generations that had come before her to get her to this place today. And this exact same thing is true with our baptism. Your baptism is not just about you. It's about the preachers. It's about your faith community. And it's about the parents who had prayed for you before you even existed. This is the community that we celebrate in baptism. And maybe most importantly, baptism is not even about our own faithfulness. Baptism is about God's faithfulness to us. Even when we ran away, even when we went the opposite direction, God still came and died for us. And his death on the cross pays for all of our sins in the past, present, and future. And when we are baptized, we are accepting that free gift. We aren't working, we aren't earning, we are simply accepting what Jesus has already done on the cross. Baptism and graduation are both done with urgency. They are both not about us. And they are both just the beginning. Baptism is the beginning. And I know graduation feels like the end. I know it feels like a culmination of everything you've been working for your entire life, but I hate to break it to our seniors, but you haven't seen nothing yet, <laughs> right? Like to them, everything they've accomplished have been the biggest, hardest task they've ever seen, but they are now walking into a whole new world. And they might know the school they are attending. They might think they know the major they are pursuing, but they have no idea the challenges they'll face and the victories they'll celebrate. And it goes the same with baptism. Baptism is just the beginning of our spiritual journey with Christ. N.T. Wright calls it the starting point of the Christian pilgrimage. It's a doorway into a new journey. It's not a box we check. It's not a spiritual test we pass. It's not a photo op we do, but it is the start of something so much greater. And in Acts chapter two, we see how baptism actually serves as a launching pad into a life of joy and obedience. 
I'm going to pick up in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, 43, and 47. This is what happens immediately after these new converts are baptized and are given the Holy Spirit. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So you can see the immediate difference in their life, pre-baptism and post-baptism. Those who were baptized didn't go home the same way. Their lives changed forever and they experienced the awesomeness of God. They experienced the Holy Spirit and their lives were radically changed and the communities that they were a part of were radically changed. You see, when we're given the Holy Spirit, when we are given gifts from the Holy Spirit, these gifts are never for us. God gives them to us so that we can share them with others. That's how it goes, right? We don't get gifts for our own edification. We are given the gifts of the Spirit so that we can help out our community, so we can love our church family. And that's why we don't do private baptisms here at the story. We believe your baptism into the church is officially your like celebration, your party of being a part of our body. And I would go a step further and I would say that baptism can even serve as our commissioning service. By that, I mean, if we look at Matthew 28 in the Great Commission, where Jesus says, "Um, all power has been given to me, so go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey. Jesus is saying, I am baptizing and teaching you so that you can go out and baptize and teach others, right? You could say we are baptized so that we can go out and baptize others. It is a chain reaction. We are not called to sit still or be dormant after our baptism ceremony. If anything, that's the start of the rest of our entire lives. So as you can see, there are so many similarities between baptism and graduation. But at the beginning, I said there was one major difference. And that major difference is graduation requires waiting, but you can be baptized today. Like right now, if you're ready, come talk to me or Pastor Eric and we will make it happen. Because graduation is all about working and waiting and you can't really speed up the process. Like to our freshmen over here, I know you probably wanna graduate now, but you're gonna have to wait four more years. You can't just immediately graduate. You have to go through the steps and the process. Or if you're doing some grad school program or some professional education, you can't just immediately skip all the steps. You have to go through them one at a time. But with baptism, all that matters is that you are right with Jesus. And if you've done that, then you can go ahead and plunge in those waters. One of my favorite stories that really shows the the urgency of baptism is in Acts chapter 2. And it's when the Apostle Paul is recounting his conversion story. So y'all have probably heard of Paul. Paul's the one who used to kill Christians, used to be a real bad guy. But on his way to go to a temple and mess with some Christians, God met him in a miraculous way. He blinded him and he met Jesus. And even though Paul didn't have everything figured out, he knew that Jesus was Lord and he knew his life would never be the same. So Paul is full of all these questions and he goes to this dude named Ananias 
who was probably freaking out, but he asked Ananias, like, Ananias, what do I do? What is the next step? And Ananias in Acts 22, 16 says, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Baptism is our first step of obedience. You don't have to have your theology perfectly worked out to be baptized. You don't have to be perfect to be baptized. You don't even have to be a member of a church to be baptized. All that requires is that you have met Jesus and that you have made him the Lord of your life. You know, so often we tell people that they have to behave and obey before they can belong, but it's really just the opposite. I firmly believe that we can only behave and belong behave and obey once we've already belonged. It is in belonging to Jesus Christ that we figure out all the rest of that stuff out. Your questions will be answered. Your doubts will be fixed. And as you walk with Jesus day by day through deep discipleship, you'll become more and more like him each and every day. We don't do that before we get baptized. We get baptized so that we can walk with Jesus for the rest of our lives. I love how pastor and author Max Licato sums all this up. He says, baptism separates the tire kickers from the car buyers. Baptism is that moment where you finally drive off the lot in that brand new car and it's all yours. And you know, when I look at our generation, my generation in particular, I will say we have a lot of tire kickers. We have a lot of people who are afraid to commit to a bunch of things. I know guys who can't commit to a career. They switch jobs like every six months. I know guys who can't commit to a relationship, right? They've been dating a girl for three years, move in with her, but will never pop the question. And I know many people who are tire kickers on their faith. Yeah, they say they believe in Jesus, but they've never taken that first step of obedience. But y'all, in this time and place, we need a generation of men and women who will take ownership of their families, of their lives, and their faiths. And I believe for a lot of us, that begins with baptism. So friends, this morning, right now, is the time to commit. I don't know where you're at this morning. Obedience will look different for each and every one of us in this room, but I know God is calling you to do something. If you are in this room and maybe you're a new believer and you've never been baptized, or maybe you're an old believer and you've never been baptized, let's get it done. What is holding you back? It's not a should I or shouldn't I, it is a what are you waiting for? And my prayer and our pastor's prayer for this entire series is that every unbaptized believer would be baptized over the next month. That is my hope and that is my prayer. And if we have to baptize 3,000 people next Sunday, we'll make it happen. I promise. Or maybe you have been baptized. I know many in this room have been baptized. Maybe what you need this morning, maybe your step of obedience is when you come up to take communion this morning, my prayer for you is that you would be refreshed with God's presence. Maybe it's been so long that you kind of forgot what your baptism was like. Maybe you forgot what it was like to give your heart fully to God. But I pray this morning that you would just be rejuvenated, that you would feel God's presence again and remember what it was like 
when you first gave your heart to him. And if you were baptized as an infant, and maybe you don't remember your baptism at all, I pray that you would remember your parents, the Sunday school teachers, the faith community that prayed for you all along the way. Because God remembers your baptism and he is still celebrating it. Lastly, I know there's some people in this room who have been baptized, they're they're feeling good. Well, my challenge to you is you need to get out there and start living the Great Commission. Get off the sidelines and start baptizing others because God saved you so that you could be his ambassador here on this earth. You were given the Holy Spirit, not for your own power, but to use that power to witness to others. I don't know what your step is, step of obedience is this morning, but I do know that every single person in this room needs to take a step this morning. Only you and the Holy Spirit can figure that out. There's no coming back home the way you came. So, my brothers and sisters, what shall we do? Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this day and just the privilege, the absolute privilege of opening up your scripture and learning from this timeless wisdom and truth. God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit comes and convicts all of us, Lord. We know that you are calling each and every one of us to take a step of obedience. I pray you make that step clear to us here in this moment. And as we walk up to take communion, I pray that that would be our first step leading us to the next, God. I pray for people in this room who maybe um, have just made the decision to follow Jesus and maybe haven't been baptized yet, God. I pray that you just give them the boldness and confidence to make that decision, to take ownership of their faith and boldly proclaim, I'm on team Jesus. God, we thank you so much for this day and we thank you for your son, Jesus. And in his name we say, amen.